It's been nearly a year since thousands of supporters of then-President Donald Trump stormed the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Hey, brother, we're boots on the ground here. We're moving on to Capitol now. I'll give you a boots Full on the ground. Capitol entry! Full Capitol entry! 1349 hours declaring it a riot. Since then, more than 700 individuals have been charged by the Justice Department for participating in the attack. But many of the lawmakers who were trapped in the Capitol that day have more questions. The country has never really had a full accounting of what happened, nor outside of the rioters themselves has anybody really been held accountable. In July, Congress formed a select committee in the House to investigate January 6th. Our colleague Siobhan Hughes has been covering it. So far, it has interviewed more than 300 people as we speak right now, and the majority of them have come in and spoken on a voluntary basis. It's received reams of documents. Of the 300 people, it's issued more than 50 subpoenas, a lot of them to former White House officials or to pro-Trump organizers, and it's heard from most of those people, too. And there's one man in particular that the committee has set its sights on. Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Well, hello, deplorables! Man, I love you guys! As chief of staff, Mark Meadows held a critical position leading up to and during January 6, which is why investigators believe that he is uniquely situated to understand what was happening behind the scenes. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Tuesday, December 21st. Coming up on the show, how Mark Meadows ended up in the middle of the fight over January 6th. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. The House Select Committee to investigate the January 6th Capitol attack was formed in July of this year. It consists of nine members, two of whom are Republican. And since they began calling witnesses and gathering evidence, Siobhan says the committee has hit some roadblocks. It hasn't all gone smoothly. Some witnesses, like Roger Stone, the longtime Trump supporter, have taken the fifth, in other words, refused to provide any information, citing their right against self-incrimination. I did invoke my Fifth Amendment rights to every question, not because I have done anything wrong, but because I am fully aware of the House Democrats' long history uh, of fabricating perjury charges on the basis... A small group of people have refused to testify at all. And then Donald Trump has cited executive privilege and said that documents the White House had to turn over to the archives under the Presidential Records Act should be protected by executive privilege and should not be disclosed. Trump is suing the January 6th committee and the National Archives 
in an attempt to stop White House papers from becoming part of the investigation. He's also called the probe politically motivated. In September, the committee issued subpoenas to four people who worked closely with Trump, requiring them to give evidence and hand over documents relating to January 6th. The subpoenas included political advisor Steve Bannon and Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows. Why does the committee want to talk to Mark Meadows? If you think about January 6th as a wheel, a lot of people represent spokes on that wheel. They can take you from the circumstances to the event itself, but nobody is at the hub of the wheel the way Mark Meadows is. He has had interactions with members of Congress who are working to overturn the elections on January 6th through the certification process. He's had interactions with organizers. He's had interactions, according to the committee, with Justice Department officials. He was on that infamous January 2nd phone call with the Georgia Secretary of State in which President Trump asked the Secretary of State to find more Trump voters. All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes. Meadows is around him or in his vicinity all the time, constantly. If anybody's going to have information about how Trump handled this, it's Mark Meadows. And not just in fragments, but in a complete picture. Meadows has been a Trump ally since at least 2016, when as a congressman, he endorsed Trump for president. Mark Meadows is an interesting figure. He comes to Congress in 2013, a few years after the Tea Party Revolution. But he's a rabble rouser in the most polite possible way. He has almost a Southern gentleman's manner about him, never a coarse word, can slap you on the back. But he is also a founding member of something known as the Freedom Caucus, which is a thorn in the side to the House Republican establishment. Anything that the establishment wants to accomplish or not accomplish, for example, immigration reform, they find themselves stymied by Mark Meadows and his Freedom Caucus band. Have you met him or interviewed him? Yeah, I have been covering the Hill since January of 2011. And so my career coincided with his career in the House, and I've been in numerous scrums with him. He was always pleasant in person, always willing to talk to reporters, always willing to put a reasonable and charming patina on some of the most hardball moves that his Freedom Caucus members were making. When Trump was looking for a new chief of staff in early 2020, Meadows got the job. Trump likes people who are loyalists, and he likes people who are fighters. And Mark Meadows shows that he can fight. And then, of course, Meadows' constant defense of Trump is very, very endearing to Donald Trump. Initially, Meadows appeared to be maintaining his loyalty to Trump when he refused to cooperate with the January 6th committee. His lawyer said that as chief of staff, his very closeness to the president is why he didn't have to testify. He says he's protected under executive privilege. And then, in November, something changed. Meadows announced he would cooperate with the committee. 
A big thing that happened was the House voted to hold Steve Bannon in criminal contempt of Congress for not agreeing to cooperate. And what's interesting is the Justice Department, unlike the past, says it's going to investigate this. And the Justice Department gets an indictment against Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon arrived at the courthouse on his way to surrender to the FBI after being indicted for defying a subpoena from Congress. He is set to appear in a district court later today. And I can't tell you what is in Mark Meadows' head, but the Democrats clearly feel that they have sent a strong signal and provided a strong incentive to Mark Meadows to testify. So after Steve Bannon gets charged with criminal contempt of Congress, then Mark Meadows starts to cooperate with the committee a little bit. Yes, that's correct. Meadows' lawyers set strict terms for his cooperation. He continued to claim executive privilege, but he said he would share some information about non-privileged matters. Meadows handed over thousands of documents, including text messages and material from a private email account. I was surprised at the documents that he turned over because I thought that the documents could implicate not just Donald Trump, but possibly a lot of the House lawmakers who were his close friends on Capitol Hill, who had been leading the charge to invalidate the Electoral College presidential results on January 6th. Not only did he hand over documents, Meadows also agreed to testify, and he was due to appear in a deposition in early December. But then, on the eve of his deposition, Meadows pulled out and stopped cooperating with investigators. That's after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash journal. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com. Outside of the congressional investigation, Mark Meadows was getting attention for another reason— He published a memoir. A lot of what we know about Mark Meadows is because of a book he published a couple of weeks ago called The Chief's Chief that documents his year as chief of staff for President Trump. A week before Meadows announced he would no longer be cooperating with the January 6th committee, excerpts from that book came out in the press. This morning, new fallout amid stunning revelations. The committee thinks that what happens is that Mark Meadows' book gets published. First, some excerpts come out, then the book itself gets published. 
And Donald Trump hates it. He's particularly infuriated by a passage in which Mark Meadows reveals that Donald Trump has tested positive for the coronavirus shortly before a debate with President Biden. Meadows adds that Mr. Trump received a negative result from a separate test hours later. Three sources familiar with the matter confirm that timeline to NBC News. So Trump is furious. And the Democrats think that Trump's fury is what causes Mark Meadows to do a 180 and back out of testifying. But Siobhan says that Meadows and his lawyers gave a different explanation. In statements, one of his lawyers rejected the idea that Meadows has changed course with the committee and said that Meadows has consistently maintained executive privilege. So just to summarize, so Mark Meadows initially says he's not going to cooperate And then he says he'll cooperate, but just sort of like on a voluntary basis, as long as it's not involving issues that are under executive privilege. And then he goes back on that, and now he's pulling back out again. It seems like just a kind of a confusing mess. Oh, it's beyond a confusing mess. I mean, just try reading the back and forth that the lawyers have written to each other. (laughs) You'll get a headache. So how did the committee respond to Mark Meadows' latest decision not to cooperate? The committee says it's fed up. The committee immediately moves to recommend that he be held in contempt of Congress, in criminal contempt of Congress. And shortly after that, the House, in fact, votes to hold Mark Meadows in criminal contempt of Congress, with Democrats unanimously voting yes, and only two Republicans, those two Republicans on the January 6th committee, voting with the Democrats. Meadows' fate now lies with the Justice Department, which will decide whether or not to prosecute him. He could face up to a year in jail and a fine of $100,000. If the Justice Department decides to pursue this, how rare would that be? If Mark Meadows is indicted, that would be extremely rare. I can remember back in the administration of the second president, George Bush, the House voted to hold Mr. Bush's then White House chief of staff in contempt of Congress, but he was not prosecuted. Now, a big difference from then is that the Democrats control both the House, so they're in charge of the contempt proceeding, and the Justice Department, so they would be in charge of any prosecution. But it's very rare for an official to face House contempt charges, and rarer still for a federal prosecution to follow it. And the committee didn't stop at recommending contempt. It also released a 51-page report that revealed those text messages and emails that Meadows had already turned over. Representative Liz Cheney read some of the messages aloud to the committee. On January 6th, Mark Meadows was receiving text messages from people who were on the Hill, members of Congress, but also apparently some journalists, in which they were saying, you know, help us, we are under attack. Mark Protesters are literally storming the Capitol, breaking windows on doors, rushing in. Is Trump going to say something? He's getting text messages from Fox News personalities like Laura Ingraham and Sean Hannity. Quote, Mark, the president needs to tell people in the Capitol to go home. This is hurting all of us. He is destroying his legacy, Laura Ingraham wrote. He's getting text messages from Donald Trump Jr., the president's son, saying, we need an Oval Office address. He has to leave now. It has gone on too far and gotten out of hand. And Meadows says, I'm pushing it hard. I agree. 
There's another message which comes in the day after in which an unnamed lawmaker says to Meadows, January 6th was terrible. I'm so sorry. We did everything we could to stop the results from being certified and it didn't work. Meadows is suing the committee, claiming it's illegitimate and that it has no basis to continue its investigation. And Siobhan says the committee could cease to exist after the 2022 midterm election if Republicans gain control of the House. Republicans will definitely be able to stop the investigation by simply dissolving the committee. It won't exist anymore. It's a committee that exists for this Congress. Despite all this and all the roadblocks, the committee says it hopes to produce a report and hold public hearings in a few months. They will account for what happened on January 6th. And that report is a public report. It's something that the Justice Department would be empowered to act on. It would have all of the evidence. And then even if the January 6th committee is dissolved, the Justice Department would be in a position of following through with prosecutions. And prosecutions not just of the actual rioters who stormed the Capitol, but potentially of anybody else who was involved in that effort. Including Donald Trump including Donald Trump. Why is the January 6th committee pursuing Meadows and other Trump allies so aggressively? Democrats have articulated a long-standing fear that if this behavior is not stopped, it will happen again. And what Democrats, but also Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger on the committee assert is that somebody has got to draw a line and somebody has got to stand up for and enforce the rule of law or the American system of government, democracy itself, is at stake. That's all for today, Tuesday, December 21st. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Additional reporting in this episode by Michael Bender. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.